Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mike Calvo, friend, our friend. The title of his speech is Lack of Sight Does Not Mean Lack of Vision. Welcome, Mike. Good evening. Wow, what an amazing introduction. Oh, you have my speed. I love Scott. Uh, I met Scott early on uh, when uh, when I would come up here, had ideas, and nowhere to sleep. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I used to stay at a, a friend of Scott's house, uh, who was very near and dear to, to my heart, a guy named David Pullman. Yeah, David. And uh, and David David was a huge. That's okay. Applaud for David. David deserves it. David, David really taught me what a blind visionary was. And although at, uh, at Cerro Tech they call me the blind visionary, I've met quite a few blind visionaries. And, and tonight is, is a night I want to celebrate my path to getting to meet a number of you and hoping that I'm going to meet more and more of you as, uh, as my life and, and, and your life progresses. You know, I'm going, to, I'm going to start at the close to the beginning because I I want us to be able to understand not only where I come from but where I expect to be going, and, and I want as many of you guys to come with me as possible. And the reason I'm going to tell you a story is because I want you to understand, folks, that what has driven me has been the vision. You know, Serral Tech. And quite frankly, no other company I've ever worked with or built was built with millions of dollars. It was built with an idea. And it was built with a goal. And that's exactly what I want to do tonight, is give you the opportunity to look deep into yourself and stir up that goal. What's your dream, man? What's your idea? You know, can you think about it? Can you picture it? Can you see it? You know, and that's the deal. If you don't have sight, that doesn't mean you don't have vision. Right? But you know, school is where it all starts, of course. And school wasn't a great experience for me. I, I, I started out at a great school. I started out at Michigan School for the Blind. Anybody here from Michigan? Yeah. The Lansing, the Lansing School, Michigan School for the Blind, was one of the most awesome schools I ever attended. I learned Braille there. I learned how to get around. I learned mobility. I learned, I learned woodworking. I learned how to cook. I learned how to wash clothes and do all this stuff. And all by the age of five. Now we laugh, and it is kind of creepy, <laughs> but. You know, but that's what they do. They teach us these independent living skills early. And I certainly hope, if there are educators here in the room tonight, that, that you're still doing that. Because I'm 42 years old, and boy, would my wife be a mad lady if I couldn't wash a dish or take out the garbage or whatever. You know, if I couldn't fold my clothes, if I was a slob and just, well, you know, I'm blind. What do you want from me anyway? So I'll tell you, that was a great opportunity. You know, I know I don't speak with an accent, you know. But I, no, that's not Mexican, dude, sorry. 
No Mexican ever said, say hello to my little friend. No Mexican ever said that. <laughs> Tony Montana, Al Pacino. In former life, my hero. Uh, but uh, the deal is that, you know, I'm Cuban. I speak fluent Spanish, and I was actually raised in Miami. Many people don't know that. Now, growing up in Miami had its challenges. The Dade County school system was not made for me. Now, we're talking about in the early 70s. I came, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and immediately realized that, you know, these four blind people, you know, we didn't have a chance. Even though I was mainstreamed at the time, and I ran into some really good teachers in grade school, by the time I hit junior high, man, I was getting psychological evaluations by the time I was 12. Now, why they would give a blind person a psych eval at 12 or at any age, I don't know. You know, but hey, they did it, and I was told, I remember, never forget, that by this psychologist that I was capable of doing anything I want, but you remember that I was born with a strike against me. And, you know, so I shouldn't shoot my aspirations too high anyway. I mean, I had a handicap, right? You know, my goal wasn't to be a big burden on my family. Couldn't do that. My goal shouldn't be to be a big burden on society. Don't want to do that. Just, you know, do some sort of mediocre job if you possibly can. If not, just sit at home and collect Social Security and whatever. You know, but I was ornery. Anybody here ornery? Yeah. Anybody here not ornery? Well, shame on you. You should be. Well, I was ornery, and boy, I, was going, I wasn't going to listen to that garbage. I was not going to have anybody tell me that I was a half a person or a third of a person or whatever. It wasn't going to go, and I didn't care, man. I had dreams. I had goals. I had aspirations, and I was going to do it no matter what, no matter who I hurt in the process, no matter how many laws I had to break in the process. It didn't matter. Sounds like a type of person you want to follow, don't you? <laughs> I don't think so. But fortunately, somewhere along the line, Jesus came into my life. Now wait, wait, relax. Before you think I'm going to tell you to open up your Bibles here or there, or I'm going to tell you any of that. I'm not going to preach at you tonight. If you want to hear that, you'll have to see me somewhere else. But I will tell you that that's what works for me. And it worked for me, and that's truly what one of the things that changed my life and really gave me the ability to look at things in a different perspective and to really love those that didn't understand me. You see, folks, in our lives we run into a lot of ignorance. And of course, our own defensive reflexes, you know, we get angry, we get upset, we don't understand, so we think they're stupid. But you know what? I've learned the difference between ignorance and stupid. Simply because I was stupid for a whole long time, but I digress. 
let's just expound on how stupid I was. <laughs> After school, which was truly a fiasco for me, I started working in clubs and, and, and I started uh, running with the wrong crowd. See, I, like any teenager, I wanted to be accepted, man. I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be told that I had to be normal. Remember when we were growing up? Anybody here grow up in the, in the era where you were told you had to be normal? So what does that imply? Does that imply that you're abnormal? That's what it implied to me. Wait a minute. So I'm not normal. So I had to set out and prove just how normal I was. So what, I, what did I do? Well, you know, where, where would I find acceptance? Well, I could, you know... I could play music. I was a, I was a pretty good DJ at the time, and, and everybody thought that the blind kid could pick up a needle and put it on a record, so that was amazing! <laughs> you know, so because of something called the uh, Performers Act, I was able to get into clubs. Kind of like a circus freak show. I was able to get into clubs really early, even though they were serving alcohol, but it didn't matter because I was blind, so I had a talent. <laughs> So I got exposed to some really crazy times and in Miami in the 80s, boy, it was crazy. Anybody here see Miami Vice? Yeah. Yeah, you know? How many of you people know that that was true? I'm dead serious. I'm not kidding, y'all. It was true. You, you, you could go through Miami in the 80s and you could get anything you wanted as long as you had enough cash or flow or whatever drugs or whatever you wanted. You know, and uh, and it was a it was a it was just a crazy time. You know, but I was accepted. I was accepted. Everybody loved Mikey, and everybody loved what Mikey had. Oh yeah. You know, so Mikey was the hooker. But you know, school kept getting in the way. I started working at clubs. Man, I'll never forget. I was working at clubs, and and I was making four or five hundred bucks a night. And I'd be pulled into the principal's office, and they'd tell me, "Now you need to work really hard so you can get a high-paying job." I'm like, dude, I'm making four hundred bucks a night, and that's what I'm putting on the books. <laughs> never mind what goes out of my pocket. But anyway, so you know, needless to say, I was just angry. You know, I was told I needed to be normal. I was told that. That, you know, I was born with a strike against me. My books, they order them a year in advance and they never arrive. <laughs> you know, my parents, my parents, God bless them, you know, they're, they're great folks. But they're blue-collar blue immigrants that came from Cuba in the 1960s. And in case uh, most of you don't know, in Miami, there is not a whole lot of encouragement to learn English. Miami's one of those places that, you know, <laughs> with the last American with the flag, please take it, you know, once they leave. You know, because, I mean, Miami's like a whole different country, y'all. It's different. So there was not a whole lot of encouragement for my parents to really learn English quickly. So what ultimately happened was I didn't have a parent advocate because my dad was raised on a farm. So my dad would go in and think he was talking to cows and pigs when he talked to the principal and he would use all kinds of four-letter words and everything else and look like a very angry Cuban. You know, kind of like Ricky Ricardo but rated R. Yeah. As you can 
can imagine, Dad didn't make it to school very many times. I wouldn't involve Dad very much. So I really found myself kind of going on my own, you know. And that didn't end up in much. Got involved in drugs and, and, and all that. And I really don't want to hang there too much, so I'm not real happy about that situation. But it was the only place I found acceptance. It was on the streets and in the music industry. So I ended up dropping out of high school. You know, what the hell was there for me there? I, I wanted no part of it. I didn't want any part of that. The world wasn't for me in any way. You know, if I was going to go get a job, what for? I might as well not have. And what kind of jobs did those blind people have anyway? Because it wasn't like I met a bunch of blind people. And all the blind people I met were really strange. <laughs> you know, and then I used to ride that little yellow short bus, you know. That, and I did. I really did. You know, and it was really weird because I'd get on there stoned out of my mind. And it was like, whoa, where am I? <laughs> but, uh, but then... Uh, and he's taking Doritos and salsa in the first period. That's <laughs> munchies, man. And, but uh, but it was a, those were interesting times. But after I after I got out of uh, dropped out of high school, um, I set out, you know, to build my future. Um, I opened up, as, as Scott said, I opened up a recording studio and, and, and kind of hung out there and did some, some really cool music and, and all of that stuff. And that lasted a couple of years till I was 21 and got my girlfriend in a family way. Oops. Oh, yes. And uh, that hasn't stopped, and you'll hear him back later. <laughs> but anyway, um, honey, come out from under the table. You know? <laughs> My wife's hiding over there going, I can't believe this guy. <laughs> but yeah, I'm still here, she says. But you know, it, re really though, you know, it, having a kid really calmed me out, calmed me down. It was the 80s, man. I had hair down to my shoulders. And I walked in to the Division of Blind Services in Florida and said, hey, man, I got my chick pregnant, dude, and I need to find a job. I was like, first, I'm not your dude. Second, when are you going to cut that hair? I was like, I'm not cutting my hair, man. I'm not cutting my hair. And believe it or not, I actually got a job. I had, and, and, and um, I don't know if you remember the 80s, I had a perm with my hair down to my shoulders. I looked like a freaking lion. It was crazy. And I wasn't... I wasn't as thick as I am now. Now, I'm not fat, people. <laughs> I work really hard not to be this year. Um, but, uh, but, but I was a little skinny kid. It looked like I had a mop on my head. <laughs> but I digress. I do that a lot. I'm sorry. So, uh, at least I'm keeping you guys awake. And, or, or your laughter is, is covering those people that are snoring. Thank you. So, of course, what does the long-haired, burnout hippie dude go to do at 21 with a kid on the way? He goes to work at a bank. <laughs> oh, yes. The infamous bank. So I went there, and, uh, and I started doing collections. <laughs> I had to learn how to do collections. I was used to doing collections, but <laughs> there was usually a hammer pulled back. <laughs> and a 
<laughs> you got 10 seconds to tell me where the money is, dude. But couldn't do that anymore, so it was, uh, it was now time to collect properly. That was the first time I was introduced to the computer. And as they say, I found a hat and Mac at it. I met a guy um, who's retiring this year, and I've had the, the pleasure of uh, showing him our products and really being able to just uh, tell him what a blessing he's been to me. A guy named Greg Luther out of the state of Florida. Yes, sir. Greg helped me realize my potential. I'll never forget, I went in and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I told Greg, man, what, you know, what am I going to do if I need to fix this thing or something? And, and Greg, he's from Iowa. So he has all that Iowa wisdom. <laughs> and uh, anybody here from Iowa? Yeah. Good, now we can talk about him. <laughs> oh, yeah, but there's only one of them. There's more of us. <laughs> See those old game mentalities, they hard to kill, aren't they? But uh, no, actually he had a, he had a great, he, he just told me, he said, Mike, look, he said, if you learn that computer mic behind that keyboard, you are an equal. And he said, and I know, Mike, that you're going to take to that computer like a duck does to water. I said, well, I don't know about ducks and water and all that, man, but if I want to get more than 13.5 a year, dude, I better learn this damn computer. <laughs> so I started working at this bank. And the bank liked my work. So they said, well, shoot, we want to hire a couple more just like him. <laughs> so they did. They got a couple other other blinks to come in and work and <laughs> And they, and, and, and they said, well, now you've got to teach him. I'm like, what? Teach <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> <laughs> So I actually found, after I, I met him and I, and I started teaching him, I like doing this teaching stuff. So they, they started teaching, and Greg liked the way I did it. And Greg said, hey, man, would you go down to Ryder Trucks, and would you, you know, would you tell them, uh, you know, show them how a blind person could use a computer and connect to their mainframe? It's just like yours there at the bank. So I went down there, and I said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. And, uh, and, and I did that, and, and the guy got hired. And I got to train him. So my mind started clicking. I was like, oh, man, I smell the business. <laughs> you know, I mean, at 13 5 a year, man, you can, <laughs> anything that brings you any more money than that, you're smelling the business. You know what I'm saying? So, so I started training blind people part-time. And then I went to the bank. I went working at the bank part-time and started training blind people more and more. I still didn't know a lot of blind people. I still only met the blind people that that came to me, that, that the state brought to me. And I ended up getting a contract with the Division of Blind Services and opening up a company back then. And we got we started working with the Fed. We did work with the, with you know with uh, with the FBI, and we did some work with uh, with other states. And we put about 400 blind people to work in about four years. And I say we. So, Thank you. 
I say we because um, there's two reasons. One, I always learned in, 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 in these business tapes and stuff I used to listen to, never refer to yourself as I, because then people know that the buck stops here. You know? So it's always we. There's always a board somewhere. You know, I don't make the final decision. But uh, but the truth is that, you know, besides that, I work with a great team of people. You know, I've been surrounded with great teams of people ever since I got into this thing at one point or another. And the, 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 the players have changed on the on the stage, but boy, they've all been great folks. And we used to go into a company and we'd say, hey, do you want to hire blind people? They'd say, hell no, get out of here. We'd say, wait, wait. We pre-qualify them, we can, you know, and, and, and we go in and do the whole, you know, dog and pony. But I was committed because at the bank they didn't know what to do with, quote, us people. So I was committed to giving us people a career path in any company we went into. You may start entering data on a computer, but, you know, we put blind people to work at Federal Express. We put blind people to work at American Express, and they were then at the executive level in the accounting group. You know, we put blind people to work at Alamo rent a car and some of the some of the biggest companies that you that you look at some of the Fortune 500. I didn't do that by myself though. I did it with a great great group of people. But then Windows came. Oh no! How many people were around for the transition when Windows came? Why are you laughing, man? That was a You survived, yeah. Man, it was crazy. There was this huge barrier called accessibility. Computers were only like for work and school. This is like, uh, you know, there was there was a, uh, I heard that the uh, the head of HP, and I, I don't know what year this was in, but they, they almost had to pick him up off the floor when somebody even suggested that people were going to have home computers. Living in an era where not only do we have a number of home computers, but we have phones in our pockets that had more power than most computers. That was that was an amazing statement. But hey, at that time, didn't know what we were going to do because there were very few home computers. Now I know because I've been corrected by several folks. You know blind people are great at correcting people. They just shout it out in the audience. That's not true! I had a computer in 1974! <laughs> but but see, there they go again. The hecklers. <laughs> but anyway, but but for me in my world, okay, in my little limited Miami part of the world, there were no computers for me. There were no home computers. So what did I do? Well, when the going gets tough, the tough get running back into the studio, man. So I ran back into the studio and kind of vegged there for a while and really got into the, the, the other things very heavy. And all I'm going to say about the next few years is that it was a very selfish time of my life. I was at a point where... Um, I didn't really know where I was going. I had very little education. I, I didn't know what to do but, you know, do good music and sell some good dope, and that was about all. Along the lines, um, I ended up uh, destroying a marriage, destroying, uh, destroying the lives of two beautiful children, and uh, it was just not a good time. And, uh, and that, at that time is when that Jesus thing happened. 
And that really did change my life. And it changed it around in such an amazing way that I just got to mention it. But to me, looking back now and then going back to 1998, when I finally got my head out, of, out from the sand. <laughs> Anybody else can think of anywhere else I might get my head out. <laughs> But you know, but it, let's just say the sand, okay? So I got my head out of the sand and said, you know, let me let me see what this computer thing is all about because I wasn't doing the dope thing anymore. I wasn't doing the music thing much anymore. I, I, I wanted to play with computers and see what was happening. Besides, I'd gotten a call from Ryder saying we need you to come and do some work for us. I'm like, sure. But there was this product out there, this little company that produced this product called Jaws for Windows. Yes. And I learned that thing. And I had known of Hunter Joyce for a number of years um, because they were around when I was doing computers back in the in the in the late eighties and the nineties. Um, you know, and, and, and Doug Joffrey, who was just here. Uh, you know, Vocalize was one of the most amazing programs that I'd ever dealt with um, back in the DOS days. And you young people don't know what DOS is. <laughs> Did I just call some people in here old for <laughs> Anyway, but I found this thing called the Internet. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. The Internet. And at that point, I had gotten remarried. I told my wife, I said, babe, you should see there's this thing called the internet, and it's amazing, and there's these blind people. And you go on these lists, and you like write messages, and these blind people, they all answer, and all these blind people, and I've never met such cool blind people, and blind people are something. It's amazing. Wow. But then I realized that there were only like 20 blind people. No, I'm kidding. Like, there, there, were, there was a very small number of blind people online. And that really bothered me. Because in my usual entrepreneurial way, I want to make me some money. Because there were so many internet entrepreneurs. This was the dot-com era, man, and it was starting to go strong. So I called up my best friend from high school, Andy. I said, Andy! I said, what's up, dude? I said, let's make us some money. They said, how's that? And I said, radio webcaster. He said, what the heck is a radio webcaster? I said, you know how I like to listen to audio on the internet? He said, yeah. And I said, you know how you gave me that transmitter that, like, my wife is watching Baywatch and drooling over all the good-looking dudes on Baywatch, and I'm not. You know, I used to, because when we got married, I was, I mean, I really got hooked on the internet, man. I loved it. Wasn't porn or anything, promise. And, uh, and, and it was an amazing thing, but, you know, I wanted to snuggle with my wife. So I would put on this computer in the room and listen to the audio from across the house. And it was cool. So I talked to Andy, and Andy was an engineer and a software guy. And he, and he put together this, this, uh, this software, and we called it Radio Webcaster. And we put it on the market. And of course, you would push buttons on this RF remote that worked through walls. And the system would talk back to you, not because it was a blind product, but because, I mean, you couldn't see the screen, dude. How are you going to, you know, you have to walk back to the computer every time? That's crazy. So this thing would talk through the radio. 
You know, you tune a radio to an FM station, you'd start playing, this is 1998, late 98, 99. And you know what happened? What? Blind people started buying it. Like, and I didn't market to blind people. I mean, how did you people figure it out? <laughs> oh my gosh, blind people had money? No! Blind people are all broke and decrepit and living out of dog food cans. And they, there's no way they got money, man. And that little voice went off in my head and it said, You know, Mikey, behind that keyboard, you're an equal. And I said, Wow. And I started talking to those blind people that bought Radio Webcaster because it was not accessible, but it was just accessible enough for people to be able to play with it and learn and say, wow, that's cool. I, I like that, you know. So I started listening to them and I started realizing, wow, you know, there is a way... But there's some challenges in the way here for blind folks to be able to access the computer. How can we do this? You know, what are those challenges? What are the barriers? Well, the computer itself is one. I mean, it's, it's just a, a problem for a sighted person to use a computer. The reason that Apple Computer has been able to do so much is because they've simplified, not dumbed down. Notice I've not said dumbed down. Because I don't believe in that. I don't believe that a computer needs to be complicated to be functional. Okay, they, they, Apple has actually learned to make computers very easy to use. So lack of skills and availability of computers for a blind person, that was one of the, that was one of the big ones. The other one is, do you realize, folks, that even as of a couple of years ago, Microsoft did a report with the Forrester Group. Do you know that less than 5% of blind people use computers? Wow. Well, why is that? Well, no, the, the, the reasons are very simple. First of all, like I said before, it's cost, availability, complexity. I mean, Henry Joyce did some awesome things, and the other companies just like them. Well, the successors to those companies stopped innovation. They wanted to keep the status quo. They would rather litigate than innovate. Okay? And that was the problem. And that was the problem that, that we ran into later, but again, I digress. Sorry. You know, it was a it was a it was a, a big problem because a computer at the time was, you know, was coming down in price, but man, it was over a thousand bucks to make that thing talk. So the first thing we did after Radio Webcaster is we came out with a with a product that was very similar to like an accessible type of AOL thing, but it was very, it spoke by itself. You could talk to it and it could talk to you, okay? And it was amazing to me that, you know, a lot of people kind of liked this thing and they, they, they started using it, but it didn't do everything. And we said, well, we need to make it go more, further. We need to take it to the next level. So we started, you know, talking to more blind people. And we realized that, you know, what could we, what could we do? You know, we needed to make products that were fun. We needed to make products that were functional. We needed to make products that were intuitive, that were easy to use and inexpensive. Okay, that, you know, ordinary blind folks, just any old blind person, 
Not somebody who's going to school, not somebody who's going to work, but anybody can buy these products with their own money. Imagine that, a blind person buying something and not having to go and grovel and plead at the feet of any government agency just to be able to check their bank balance or any of that kind of thing. I had a vision, people. Just like you have a vision. I don't know what that vision is, but I had one. And over in the last nine years since Serotech started, we've changed the face of adaptive technology. We really have. We brought the price of a screen reader from $999 down to $9.95 a month. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Because it wasn't that easy. It wasn't just like, build them and they will come. Oh, no. And I understood. I mean, you know, I've been being sold a bill of goods all my life. How many people here have been told that this will do this or that will do that? And then you're like, oh, man, that's great. And then you get there and say, no, sorry, sucker. So I had I had a real heavy-duty burden because I believe in our community. I believe that we're a community of consumers. Yes, we are a small community, no doubt, in the United States. But the web has provided us a worldwide marketplace. There are hundreds of millions of blind people, y'all, and they're not all sitting in some cave somewhere. Okay, You've got a number of developing countries out there with blind people with money to spend. Not tons and tons of it, but they do have it. How many people here do not consider themselves a consumer? Because if you woke up this morning and you brushed your teeth, or if you woke up this morning and you put on anything, whether it be underwear or shoes or whatever, you made a consumer decision. Don't ever let anyone tell you you are not a consumer. It's a lie. You are a consumer. And anybody who wants your consumer dollar needs to fit your consumer need. And they don't need to do it by going to a government agency and giving them what they want. They need to go and give you what you want because at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to have to live with that product. Right? Do I put people to sleep? <laughs> but this is something only a few of them. Thanks. It's like Looney's enemies. But, so we, we, uh, but here I was. I had a vision. I had an idea. I'm lugging this machinery around. And, and, and I'm a real hardcore entrepreneur at that time in, in, in 2000, 2001. And I, I ran into a, a guy named Ab Gordon. And Ab Gordon, he introduced me to some people out in Minnesota. Ab was a lawyer, mergers and acquisition guy, who uh, who bought Radio Webcaster and was like, well, Calvo, whenever you are uh, ready to make your first million dollars, give us a call. We're the largest mergers and acquisition company in the Twin Cities. I'm like, cool, I'll call you. So I called Ab with this idea. And he was like, you know, I don't know if there's a market for that, but I want to talk to this guy. And I went, I'll never forget, I, I, I got on a plane to go see these guys from Matrix. And the first time I talked to Michael Fox, who is, who is uh, with us today, not, not here, but he, he's with Serotech today. Michael was like, look, we have decided to never get involved with another startup again. <laughs> you know. But after, after a while, you know, he said, okay, fine. He said, come over here and we'll tell you why it's going to fail. And for two days, almost three, I sat in a, in, a, in a room. And let me tell you, this software, it could do a five-minute demo, ten-minute demo, you know. And it was pretty good. It was okay. It was a good 1.0. 
But man, when you started pounding on it, it had more bugs than the New York hotel room. <laughs> hey, I didn't say that. I just saw that on the internet a while back. <laughs> Blame me for being a geek. <laughs> so, but uh, but really, it was a a very very uh, shall we say tenuous <laughs> piece of software, very moody. And uh, and these but these guys they they felt the passion. They really did. They understood. And Michael said, you know what? We'll try this. And Michael became my mentor. And and I'll tell you something. The truth is, I mean, Michael became Chief Operating Officer of Serotech, and he became my mentor, and sometimes that mentoring included a two-by-four. Because I was an ornery dude, man. But I learned. And let me tell you, if I know how to talk to you today, it's because Michael was used very mightily in my life to teach me to how to get people to understand the vision, how to speak the language, how to make people really, really, really get it, how to treat the blind consumer as a market. Right. And we've stayed true to that ever since. Matrix is still with us today. Nine years later, Matrix is still here. Michael is uh, still our acting chief operating officer. I talk to him every couple days. You know, and we've created a whole lot of products. Anybody here not ever dealt with a Serotech product, whether it be System Access to Go? or the accessible event product or any of that kind of thing. Anybody here has heard of the system access to go? Yes. yes, sir. Yeah, well, you know, it's products like that that helped us develop a following. You know, we've always believed in community. Community is really, really powerful. I wrote a, a, a paper after visiting a conference like this a number of years ago called The Power of Us. And you can visit our uh, our Serotech website and, and read it. But it really explains the power that there is in us, a group of blind people working together. You know, and it, and it's great that we have advocacy groups. It's great that we have the ACB. It's great that we have the NFB. Yeah, I know I said it. I did. But it is great because it's blind people. And though we may disagree on certain things, at the end of the day, you know what? We're about the same things. We're about making the community better for everyone. Right? And let me tell you, I mean, it's it's times like this that I see the power of us, and I'm amazed by it. it. It never ceases to amaze me. But let me tell you something. There is a power in us, but there's also a power in me. Okay, you have the power to advocate. You have the power to get on that keyboard. You have the power to write your congressman. You have the power to write the mayor. You have the power. You have more power in your computer today that you can buy for two hundred dollars and in a screen reader that you can pay nine dollars and ninety-five cents for. Or for heaven's sakes, you can have it for free. There is absolutely no reason for any blind person to be sitting on their behind eating government cheese, saying, "I'm a poor blind person that can't." get a job. You know what? That's baloney. That's a cop out. That is a cop out. There are websites out there. There's places like eBay. Hey, listen, if you can't sell anything else, get out there and find your neighbors and ask them, you got something you want to sell? Will you take a picture for me and put it on a disc and get your butt out there on eBay and sell it for them? Tell them, now give me half the money. Whatever it is that you want to do, 
you can do it as long as you have a support system. Right. And that's what we're here for. We're a community. That community really, really ended up very strong, very helpful for us when we got sued by a very large company a number of years ago. Yes, sir. What was our worst sin? Well, in their eyes, it was making products that were faster, better, cheaper. But they used the excuse that uh, our name was similar to theirs. Uh-huh. So they'd litigate instead of innovate. Go ahead, Mike. But hey, you know, it was you people. You people. And I mean that. You people that stopped those people. Because you believed in the power of us. You believed in the power of... No, give yourselves a hand, man. You guys deserve it. Okay, for all of you who signed that petition, for all of you who made the phone calls, who sent the faxes, who did what needed to get done to stop the bully. And unfortunately, in many ways, it hasn't stopped. And and, and it's really sad to see some of the things that have gone on. But you know what? I mean, every dog has his day. You know, Serotech has gone on now to create more and more products. We're a very big believer in cloud computing. Anybody here ever heard of cloud computing? Okay, we believe that the future is in the cloud. It's not like a cloud, like you're going to be a little angel with a harp sitting on a cloud. It's we, we create cloud-based solutions. You know, i got to tell you, because I'm, I'm looking at it here in my notes, and it's funny because, you know, we're from Minnesota. Anybody here from Minnesota? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you ever been to the fair in Minnesota? Yeah. They have everything on a stick, don't they? Yeah. At the fair in Minnesota, man, you can get you can get steak on a stick. You can get cheese on a stick. You know, and if you go to our office, if pickles on a stick, if you go to our office in the Twin Cities, you can even get a screen reader on a stick. We were the first company to ever put a screen reader on a stick and coined the phrase accessibility anywhere. This stick could plug into any computer and immediately run a screen reader. Okay, I'm looking at the clock and I promise I'll I'll wrap it up. People want me to get up and shut up already? (laughs) But, uh, you know, we've done a lot of firsts between the time that we put that product, we call it the F word, (laughs) Serotech. That that product that is very similar to Liberty. You know, but let me tell you, the best thing that ever happened to us was that whole lawsuit thing because more people got to know us and we got more we got more fame out of that. We couldn't have paid for such a we couldn't have paid for such a campaign. Um, we've now created the world and, and, and been imitated in a number of ways. That you know, shortly after we did the screen reader on a stick, other people tried to do their screen reader on a stick. Right. But of course, you had to go install something on the computer first. So it kind of defeated the purpose. We were the first remote access product on the market with RIM and RAM. The first accessible meeting platform with with accessible events. We were the first to say, you know what? We don't believe that you should have to keep paying a tax for your screen reader. So we, as Scott said, we, what we did one year is we put out a bunch of tombstones all over ATIA that said R.I.P. S.M.A. 
And that's what we've done. If you buy our screen reader, basically we you buy it once and you don't ever have to pay for it again. Right. The first to create social access to social networking tools. Yeah. Now this is true. How many people here use Facebook? Let me hear you. How many people here use Twitter? Let me hear you. How many people here are able to communicate with other blind people on a level playing field because of these products? Let me hear you. Well, you know what? We gave you that access first. We saw the vision of social networking, and we said, we've got to give people access to this. Serotech created the first iOS product, the first product for the Apple iPhone and uh, iPad platform. How many people here have Apple products? Let's give a round of applause for Apple, because they are awesome, man. They really are. Now here's the one I'm scared to ask. How many people here have heard of an application called iBlink Radio? Yes, sir! iBlink Radio is the world's first application for the blind on the iPhone platform, but we're not done. <laughs> Next, we've got SamNet for iPhone, which is going to give you access to our award-winning network. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to be able to take all your fun stuff on your iPhone. The one that makes me even more excited than, than, more excited than that is a product that we call DocuScan Plus. DocuScan Plus will actually, it is the world's first cloud-based scanning solution. What does that mean? It means that you can walk up to up to any computer in the world that's running either Windows Vista or Windows XP or uh, or Windows 7 that has either a, a, uh, a scanner connected to it or that you can connect the camera or scanner to it yourself. And if it's a plug-and-play solution, I want to make sure because then I'll get people. You said it'll work with anything. You know, if you if if, if it's a plug-and-play solution, you can simply go to a website, run a self-taught very similar to essay to go uh, a little program and it will scan your product load it up to the cloud give you OCR and send it right back to you and it will be available on the iOS and Android platforms very soon This will be a product that will be available to everyone. It will have ADF support. It will have uh, you know all kinds of different stuff uh, that that you expect to find in products that are over a thousand dollars. Again, death to the thousand dollar price tag. We don't want that anymore. So in wrapping it up, I just want to show you this is what happens when you got a vision. You know, there's no doubt that there are many times and many parts of my life that I would hope that no one ever, ever, ever emulates. Don't ever imitate me in those negative things. Those negative things came because I was very angry. I felt closed in. I felt that I had no hope. And I got a hope. Yeah. I got a vision. Right. And you know what? Every time I come to one of these things and I see you people and I meet each and every one of you and I hang out with you, and when I say you people, it's not you people, it's family. It's brothers and sisters. It's, it, it is blue collar. It's white collar. It's moms and dads and husbands and wives and widows and all kinds of people that just, I, I understand that the vision has been 2020, even though I'm totally blind. So, you know, I'm blessed today. I'm blessed to have five, yes, five beautiful children. Wow. A beautiful wife who's here with me tonight. You better clap for 
And most of all, the realization that a vision can happen. You know, a, a vision can happen. And let me ask you a question. What's your vision? I mean, I believe that visions are given to us by our Creator. And if you believe the same, it would be an awful Creator that would give you the ability to dream and never give you the ability to achieve that dream. Do you agree? Yes. So go out and find your dream. What is it? Do it. Thank you. Yeah.